This is not our first Rosh Hashanah during a pandemic. It's happened before. In 1848, there was a cholera epidemic in Europe. That is when Rabbi Yisrael Salanter famously got up in shul on Yom Kippur and he made Kiddush in the middle of shul on Yom Kippur and he ate and he drank and he insisted that everyone in shul also eat and drink so as not to fall ill. That's a demonstration of this principle that when people's lives are at risk, all the laws of the Torah are set aside, even eating on Yom Kippur. It does not appear that our present situation will require us to eat on Yom Kippur. I don't see why that should happen. Although, of course, if a person is sick, they have to look into it. But it demonstrates the principle. We also have from that same year a Rosh Hashanah sermon. And this sermon was given by a rabbi in a small town in Poland, Rabbi Yosef Chaver Wildman. And this is the sermon that he gave on Rosh Hashanah during a pandemic. He explained to his congregation that every action and activity in the world must be done in combination between an act of man and the guidance of God. There has to be a balance. Both are always necessary. For example, when waging war, the Jewish people have to combine human and divine action. When going to battle, a Jewish army has to prepare in all the necessary ways to be militarily ready for victory. We're not allowed to rely on a miracle. We have to do our best to be victorious in the way that armies are victorious. At the same time, and without taking away from the military expertise that's necessary, we learned recently in the Torah, the Torah commands, that before the army would go into battle, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, would come before them, and he would approach them, and he would speak to the soldiers before they went into battle. And the Ramban Nachmanides explains that the words of the Kohen at that moment were intended to strengthen their faith in God. Says Rabbi Waldman, we need both. We need faith in God, <coughs> and we need military strategy. We need military strategy, and we need faith in God. We have to balance the two. Both are necessary. Similarly, said the rabbi, as we stand at war against the afflictions of our day, when death rises in our windows, the doctors have given us instructions on how to preserve our health, and those instructions from doctors are an obligation of the Torah. The Torah says, be exceedingly careful concerning your health, following the doctor's recommendations, following the precautions that we've been given. That is the obligation of God. That's a mitzvah. We're required to follow that. 
At the same time, he said to his congregation, be careful to pray as well. Don't forget the part of it where relying on God in prayer also plays a role. We need both. We have to pray to God and we have to do those human actions necessary for the outcome we're looking for. So let me share with you very briefly a remarkable insight into the power of prayer on Rosh Hashanah and it comes from an unlikely source. So there's a passage in the Talmud it actually is somewhat relevant to our situation these days. A passage in the Talmud discusses the following case. Let's say you have a man who is a tenant of a landowner. So this tenant rents a piece of land from the owner and he plants and he harvests the crops and he arranges to give a portion of the crops to the owner. Let's say it's a third, just making that up. So this is an arrangement that was common in agricultural times and is common today as well. Some You could refer to it as a sharecropper. So the tenant leases the field, plows, plants, harvests, and gives his portion to the owner. That's the arrangement. Talmud talks about a case where there's a drought in the entire region what we would refer to today as an act of God. Everyone's crops failed. No exception. The Talmud uses the phrase Makas Medina. That is a plague against an entire region. No one escapes that plague. The Talmud says the tenant does not have to pay the owner because it's not the tenant's fault that there were no crops this year. It happened to everyone. No one could grow crops this year because of this drought in the entire region. No exceptions. And in fact, this is the halacha. Jewish law says, in a case of Makas Medina, where there's a plague that affects the entire region and no one is exempted, no exceptions, this kind of an arrangement where a tenant has to pay a portion of the crops, he is exempt because there are no crops. Nobody has crops. This is relevant today to our situation of business arrangements where people were not able to fulfill their obligations because of a global pandemic. Now, it is kind of complicated how to apply this law to individual cases. So let's leave that technical part to the side for now. We discussed it once before and we'll discuss it again probably in the future. But then the Talmud gives the following case. What happens if the tenant and the owner agreed that the tenant would plant wheat? But then the tenant on his own decided to plant barley. And now there's a Makas Medina. There's a drought that affects the entire region. No crops in the entire region. No wheat, no barley, nothing. In this case, the Talmud says, the tenant 
has to pay the portion that is owed to the owner. Now that's very hard to understand because there's a Makas Medina. There's a plague that affects the entire region. No one's crops succeeded. No one harvested anything. What does it matter if I planted wheat, if I planted barley? All the crops failed based on the logic that if there is a, a, a regional plague, the tenant should not be responsible. What does it matter whether he planted wheat or he planted barley? So the Gemara gives an answer, and it's an answer that is very difficult to understand. The Gemara says, the owner can, can claim, if you would have planted wheat, it would have grown. Because you planted barley, not in accordance with our agreement, that's why you have no crops. But if you would have planted wheat, it would have grown. And therefore, you're negligent and you owe me my pay. Now that answer of the Talmud defies understanding. How can the Talmud possibly say that? Because nobody's crop grew. It doesn't matter whether it's wheat or barley. How can the owner say, if you would have planted wheat, you would have been successful? Nobody that planted wheat had any crop. No one had a crop. What sense does it make that the owner can claim, had you planted wheat, it would have been successful? It was a Makas Medina. No one was successful. Rashi, the famous commentator, gives this answer. And this answer of Rashi is an answer that is so important to us. It is an answer that not only must we know this answer on Rosh Hashanah, but we must be consciously aware of these few words of Rashi every moment of Rosh Hashanah. Because what Rashi is telling us about Rosh Hashanah is something that is absolutely incredible. Says Rashi. But Rosh Hashanah, on Rosh Hashanah, ma shetevakesh mehayotzer yase. What one requests from our Creator may be fulfilled. On Rosh Hashanah, the prayers that we express on Rosh Hashanah are so powerful, they have such potential, whatever a person prays for, it is possible that God may answer, even if there is a global pandemic and everyone is affected and a person prays to overturn that, it is possible that a Rosh Hashanah prayer can overturn that. So Rashi explains that the owner of the field can say, last Rosh Hashanah, Ani lo min On last Rosh Hashanah, I did not pray to Hashem, I didn't pray that God should bless me with an abundance of barley. I prayed last Rosh Hashanah that God should bless me with an abundance of wheat because we had an agreement that you were going to plant wheat. The fact that you switched from wheat to barley, you put me at risk 
because it is possible that even though there's a Makas Medina, even though no one's wheat crop survived, but because I prayed for it on Rosh Hashanah, it is possible that God could have listened to my prayer and you would have been successful in growing wheat had you planted wheat. You didn't give me a chance to allow my Rosh Hashanah prayer to have an effect. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. The whole region has a plague. It affects everyone without exception. And somehow Rashi is telling us that if there is an earnest prayer on Rosh Hashanah, it is possible to even overturn a decree that is a plague against an entire region, against the, the entire world. It is possible to overcome. On Rosh Hashanah, every one of us has this power. Every one of us has this potential. So we follow the medical advice because we're not allowed to rely only on prayer. We're not allowed to rely only on miracles. We follow the medical advice and we take the precautions because the Torah requires it. God requires us to do that. But at the same time, let's not forget for a moment, especially on Rosh Hashanah, that our earnest prayers on Rosh Hashanah have the potential to turn this around. And I'm not just talking about COVID, but any situation, any problem that we are facing, any issue, as hopeless as it seems, it is possible. We don't know for sure. It's not a guarantee, but it is possible. The potential is there within the prayers of Rosh Hashanah to overcome even a situation that appears hopeless even a situation that is a makas medina. We must never lose sight, not for a moment on Rosh Hashanah, never lose sight of what our prayers on Rosh Hashanah can accomplish. My friends, I wish this for you and I wish this for me, that our earnest prayers this Rosh Hashanah have the potential and the power to overcome any decree and to bring about what we pray for, what we want, a new year that is sweet and healthy and joyous. I wish it for you. I wish it for me. Shana Tovah.